This is episode 926 with high-performance mental coach Seth Pepper. I finally became, I'd been two times, I'd been second behind Anthony Nasty. And so my senior year, that's that third, you know, third time's a charm. And so that's when I, I won, right? Won twice in, in one nationals. And so along the way, my brother had been experiencing this, whether I was coaching him or just, that's my brother, right? That's normal. And that's what I try to do with people is normalize your success, right? So see where you want to be in the future. Kind of like, you know, when I put those pictures of Pablo the Olympian on my wall, it was to trigger this curiosity, this thought over and over. It's like a post-it note, you know, just to, you know, put it on the wall to remind you to think about it, right? And so my brother was experiencing that firsthand because he knew me, he grew up with me, and all of a sudden I see my brother doing these things. Oh, I can do that, right? Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host, Remember previously on the podcast, guys, of course, when we were looking at her name skips my mind now, who, of course, was one of the first athletes or the first athlete to win multiple medals at both the uh, summer and winter Olympic Games. So, of course, you know how difficult it is, right, to win medals at the summer Olympic Games when you now do it, right, at not just the summer, but also the winter Olympic Games. It tells you how special that athlete is. And that's why my guest today on the podcast is also special. Now, he hasn't won multiple medals at both the, men, uh, both the winter and summer Olympic Games. What he has done is that he has gotten to the point where he is at the epicenter of the world of an athlete and the world of a coach. This is someone who succeeded immensely as an athlete, winning a national championship, multiple medals as well in his sport of discipline, swimming. And of course, his brother followed his part as well and was a national champion and has then transitioned into being a coach who has helped many professional athletes achieve their goals in sports. That's why I said he's at the epicenter, right? So you don't find many people who achieve enormous success as an athlete and who are also achieving enormous success as a coach. Absolutely brilliant episode. And that's why I liken him. Oh, our name skips my mind now, right? To the athlete first female or first athlete generally to win multiple medals i put the summer and winter olympics that's the first place my mind went to when i thought about seth pepper we talked about so many things guys on this episode we went into his de into detail we talked about his philosophy you know which is of course unlimit your potential we went into his backstory of all the things that he was able to achieve in the world of swimming we talked about mentoring we talked about subconscious mind we talked about getting into the flow state we talked about pressure we talked about you know effort we talked about expectation so many things that athletes struggle with we talked about it all and of course like i said when you find someone who not only experienced those things as an athlete, but is now experiencing them as a coach who is helping athletes through those things, then it's absolutely a special one. I, I've done him the professor, so I've given him, uh, let maybe uh, on Athlete Management, we begin to hand out honorary degrees and honorary professorships, but I'd given him that title 
of the professor uh, due to the way that he answered some of the questions that I gave. But trust me, guys, absolutely brilliant episode with Seth Pepper. When I heard his story, I was like, hey, we have to get him on the podcast. And of course, he delivered and more. This episode, guys, is brought to you by my free email course on how to build your mental toughness. An introduction to the mental game is something you cannot do without as an athlete. And of course, we talk about it enormously on this episode. So many things as it relates to the mental aspect of sports. Head over to athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness. Athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness to get your hands on that free email course so at least you start building the mindset you're going to need to achieve your goals in sports. Once you've gotten your hands, right? Once you've gotten your hands on that free email course, come back to this episode with the athlete, the coach, and the professor, Seth Pepper. What I want us to do, Seth, with this conversation is I want us to break it into two, right? So the athlete part of things and also to talk about the coach part of things. So I feel like, and of course, um, I want you to expand on this as well, that every athlete needs a mentor, right? There are people who have done it before you. There are people you can learn from. There are people who can guide you along the journey. You know, so if you feel like, oh, I want to walk the path myself, you might be taking a longer route. So I want to talk about that athlete's perspective. Then, of course, you're going to give us your coaching perspective. Tell us about your philosophy, you know, and things like that. Okay. Ah, Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, let, let's start off, Seth, with um, your, your mantra, which is unlimit your potential. And I assume, just assuming, you can expand for me here, that that comes from the fact that a lot of people limit their potential or they don't know what their potential is. Can you talk to me about that mantra, how you came about it, what led to it? Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I was really young when the, you know, it just kind of popped into my head as some, you know, inspiration does. And uh, so I was wired to really be, you know, curious about the world around me. I was always looking mm. at, you know, trying to understand. And, you know, to be completely transparent uh, right from the very beginning of this conversation, um, you know, adversity and obstacles, they, they, they serve as, you know, our yeah. lessons and, you know, kind of give us, you know, the, the, the challenge of finding the answer. So my mom was manic depressed my whole life, mm. right? So wow. I had a mother that um, really struggled with life. And, and so as a, as a son, you're trying to, you know, you look up to your parents. You always want to help your parents. Um, so I was very curious because I was very driven, you know, from a mm. very young age. I want to go, you know, do this. I want to do that. You know, I want to tackle the world. And my mom was more or less kind of this other version, which mm. <clears throat> I knew that she had it inside her, but I just also knew that she was holding herself back. Mm. Right? It was her mind, you know, ultimately. And so, and let me, your potential, I believe was just born out of this idea of, well, what if people could just go and do things? What if they didn't have mm. to, you know, know what's, good what's bad or you know what's the limitations yeah. what if they just did you know something what if they just what if we just tried to learn as quickly as we could rather than you know assigning grades to it now I understand there's a purpose to structure uh -huh. but my idea was always about unlimiting and just kind of taking off the the brakes so to speak uh -huh. and just running and going and doing 
And so that's what it, I was, you know, I was allowed to do that myself. My parents never got in the way. Mm. Um, they, they were both, my dad um, was very, is very interested in self-development. So he wasn't an athlete at all. He mm. built guitars. Um, so I come from an art background. My oh parents, my, my mom was <laughs> So I was, uh, you know, this ath- athlete, athletic mind, I guess you would call it from a young age. And, and so, yeah, I mean, to me, it was this idea of how can I go out and just do what I'm imagining. So, mm. and and that and that makes sense because I'm sure that's what you carried along all through the way. Before we get into the meat of the discussion, you know, I heard and I saw that you and your brother, right, were national champions in the same event. Can you talk to mm-hmm. me a little bit about that? Because you know, you had your mindset. I'm sure he had his yeah. mindset as well. How were you both able to achieve that? Because we know a lot about your story. We don't really know his story, you know, so to speak, as, as it is with you. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that came about? Sure. Well, I started my sport when I was 14, so I started really late. Um, some would say I had no chance of starting that late because most people <laughs> sports are, at least in, in the United States, in swimming they start when they're probably six, maybe eight, right? Yeah. And so here we were, um, you know, I was like at that age where I was like, okay, my life is now kind of becoming more and more my choice. So I said, I want to go after the Olympics. I'd always loved the Olympics. And so when I started this process of, okay, I'm going to study the Olympics. I'm going to choose a sport. Right. I was very deliberate about everything, every step, because yeah. I was more like an I would say more like a scientist than I was even thinking mm. about it as athlete. Um, it was just like, OK, well, that looks curious over there. I want to see if I can do that. The Olympics were the subject. And then from there, what I did mm. is <clears throat> watched all the sports and chose swimming without having any experience and then went to the, you know, just watching just the Olympic swimming and a girl won a gold medal. And then I, you know, the announcer asked her the question that I was thinking, which is if there's someone out there that wants to do what you just did, what would you recommend? And I remember saying, whatever she says, that's what I'm going to do. Right. (laughs) There's a lot of divine, you know, like timing to, to everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she said that she went through this. It's a youth, athletic club system that we kind of have in the United States called the YMCA, mm. right? The yeah. YMCA, yeah. 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 I think they're all over the world, yeah. Okay, mm. all over the world, internationally, good. Mm. So I went down to the local YMCA, walked up to that coach, said, I want to go to the Olympics. Can you help me? And, you know, I'm pretty tall by then, and he kind of looks at me mm-hmm. and smiles, you know. And then he says, well, do you know how to swim? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and so he started laughing. It was you know, so I started training with little kids right away. You know, that's where he put me. These, these kids were much better than mm. I was. And they were like eight years old. And then here I was just. No. So I had this humble beginning. And from there, my dad got me interested. You know, again, he was interested in self-development. So he had this book mm-hmm. on memory. In that book, it had this well-known study that was happening back then in East Germany and they were comparing these groups um, of basketball players 
they were practicing free throws. One group, all they did was physical training the whole time. Then they had this group that spent part of the time physical and part of the time working mental. And I didn't mm. know that you could train your mind at all. I, you know, all I knew was there was the body training that was traditional. And then there was another group that didn't even touch a basketball. And so that was interesting. These people are going to be tested and they, they're just using their mind. That's it. So results come back. The group that scored the lowest was the one that was physical only. And then the yep. mixed group scored the highest. And then the group that didn't even touch a basketball but only trained their mind was just a little bit below that top group. And that's where I started thinking, oh, that's how I'm going to get ahead. Because I'm always looking mm. for the edge. How do I unlimit my potential, right? Yeah. Because I don't have any rules, right? I started too late to fit in. I don't fit in. Mm. <laughs> and so from that point yeah. forward, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to tra train my mind and I'm going to train my body at the same time. And so you, you naturally start to study things like the subconscious mind. And so I went and I you know, looked for visual, visual cues, visual reminders. So I, I cut up a sports illustrated magazine. that was an Olympic edition, mm. had an Olympic swimmer in there, Pablo Morales. And I put him on the wall and then I put me on the wall and put it. So mm. it, they were touching so that our two worlds would intersect. Yeah. yeah. So that I'm, you know, <laughs> programming that, Oh, the Olympic world mm. is my world. And, you know, Maybe even on some days imagining conversations with Pablo between myself and Pablo. And so I kept, you know, at it. And within four years, you know, that that's the level before you go to university, um, yeah. I become the best in my state. So going from just learning to now I'm one of the best yeah. in the state. And then I went to a top university. Now, along the way, as you asked about my brother, he was watching this, but he's a younger brother. So he's two, two and a half mm. years younger. And he's watching it. And he's the opposite personality type. Like, I'm the scientist. Mm. I'm the coach mind, right? I want to sit next to coaches. I want to compare notes. I want to learn as mm. much as I possibly can. My brother is social. So he mm. likes to be a part of a group. So he saw all of a sudden yeah. I had all these friends that he really liked. So for him, he was just following his older brother, more or less, to the swimming pool. And so, you know, he, he was just having fun, and that's always been an importance to, to him. And so I go to the university, which is, you know, long ways away, an airplane flight away. He's still back where we grew up with my parents. And so I started doing with him what I do with others now, which is the remote coaching. Mm. So. Back then, we didn't have the videos, but we had, yeah. you know, I'd yeah. write things out, I'd type things out, I'd send the notes and, you know, over in the mail. And then I'd say, okay, I want you to record this in your own voice and, you know, have a script for him to do visualization. And then we'd work on mm. applications and we'd work on all these kind of vision board stuff, stuff like that, you know, that, you know, is more and more common. Yeah. And so eventually, I went on and, you know, when I was in college, my second year, I was r racing mm. against the Olympic gold medalist. His name's Anthony Nesty from, from Suriname. Mm. Right? And I was beating him the entire race until the final stroke. And so here I had gone in six years to just being this dreamer to all mm. of a sudden, you know, 
really almost beating the Olympic gold medalist. And, yeah. and that's significant in a short period of time. And so the coaches saw this and they started asking, do you have any relatives? Do you have any brothers? <laughs> By the way, yeah, I do. And they said, well, you know, you started when you were 14. When did, has he been swimming longer? You know, no, no, he's been actually, he started when he was 17. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they said, okay, well, we'll take a look. They took a look and they said, okay, well, he's still pretty raw. But if he'll go to, you know, an in-between college, a junior college, mm. and put one year in and prove and see some improvement, then, you know, we'll take another look. He did that. And eventually wow. he went to the university. They like what mm. they saw and he went to the university. So his, eventually I became my fourth year, my final year of university. I finally became, I'd been two times, I'd been second behind Anthony Nasty. And so mm. my senior year, that's that third, you know, third time's a charm. And so mm. that's when I, I won, right? Won twice and in, in won nationals. And mm. So along the way, my brother had been experiencing this, whether I was coaching him or just, that's my brother, right? That's normal. And that's yep. what I try to do with people is normalize your success, right? So hmm. see where you want to be in the future. Kind of like, you know, when I put those pictures of Pablo the Olympian on my wall, yep. it was to trigger this curiosity, this thought over and over. It's like a post-it note, you know, just to, you know, put it on the wall to remind you to think about mm. it, right? And so my brother was experiencing that firsthand because he knew me, he grew up with me, and all of a yeah. sudden I see my brother doing these things. Oh, I can do that, right? Mm. So his final year, um, he had qualified for nationals. He gets into the final heat. He's the what we call the dark horse. He's on the outside because they yeah. circle seats, so they put him over on the far side. No one expected him to do well. There were Olympians in there. There were national champions in there. It was yeah. the fastest he'd ever assembled. And then my brother, we call him Marty Moose, over in the mm. end. But we kept it really <laughs> with him because so much can happen when you unlimit your mind. You know, you start to unlimit your potential. So with him, it was very simple. He's a lot less technical, as I said. So with him, it was your brother did this. You can do it. Yeah. Knowing that a younger brother, all they really want to do is beat their older brother, right? Mm. That's how simple it is for him. It's like, well, Seth did this. I can do it. Watch me. So he dives in the water and he takes the lead by a lot, half a body length, the entire race and beats the fastest field ever wow. assembled. And he becomes a national it's champion. Assembled. And so we become the first Whoa. brothers to ever win the same national title in the same event in the history of swimming. Completely opposite. Oh, that's a re <laughs> completely remarkable story. Wow. Because I thought, I, thought, I thought your story was fascinating, right? Hearing your brother's story now, it, it makes it even all the more special in the sense that so Seth and his brother have like amazing stories. In t wow. Like I'm, I'm literally just shocked because I was curious to find out how that played out and how he was able to achieve that. Would you say he would have achieved that if you weren't an athlete already? I would say he wouldn't take an interest in sports because 
It was mm. just very so. I didn't see it. I mean, I'm going to sound like completely like I missed the, the you know, misread all the cues. <laughs> but I remember saying mm-hmm. to people, "My brother is such so good at losing to me, right?" Mm. Like I was oblivious to the fact. It seemed like nothing bothered him when I was faster. And the coaches mm. said to me, they said. No, it's the opposite. That's why we put him in the lane next to you because all he wants to do is beat his older brother, right? Mm. So when he actually won, it was televised, international TV. It was a big deal. And so it was the biggest upset of the meet. Wow. And they went, you know, they got down to the edge of the swimming pool and said, wow, this is the biggest upset of the meet. Martin Pepper, this must be the greatest moment of your life. Right, as you would assume, mm. if it was me. Yeah. Yes, but you assume that with my brother and my parents had always ta- told us to, you know, to be sincere, be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so he's going to give an honest answer, and he thinks to himself, and he goes, "No," and he swims away because <laughs> it wasn't his biggest moment. He actually mm. fired, in you know see the transition of being the performance coach, whether it's athletes, coaches, or now I work with business and then arts. My brother's biggest dream for him, because he's an outdoors person, he got his doctorate um, in geology. So he's Dr. Pepper, Mm. right? A real Dr. Pepper. Mm. And so his love was to be on TV. He wanted to have his own show on the Discovery Channel, right? Mm. I'm telling you all these details for a reason. Yeah. Because we did the same process, you know, working with a subconscious mind, you know, speaking things into existence, um, all those pieces that we, that we hear about and said, well, it worked in swimming. So why couldn't it work in? And so what we did is we treated the video more like a moving vision board, if you will. Mm. So we would film these little featurettes as if they were already on the Discovery Channel. And we'd put the logos on, you know, the video so that they could Mm -hmm. see him as the end result, the same way we had worked with putting pictures of our heroes on the wall. And within Mm -hmm. a few years, the Discovery Channel, true story, Discovery Channel producer came and contacted us. And my brother got his own series on the Discovery Channel. So this across the board, right? <laughs> Whoa. So basically what you're saying, or what I'm getting you say is that these principles are applicable, whether you're an athlete, whether you're chasing a particular dream to achieve this other thing that is completely unrelated to sports. Because basically what you just told me was that he applied the principles that you teach to sports, got him a national championship apply the same principles to pursuit of his personal ambitions, which was get on the Discovery Channel and was able to achieve that as well. Yes. Yes. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And of course, that, 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 leads me, that leads me to that coaching side. I wanted to start with the athlete side, but because we've started with this, I think I'll just roll with it. Let's just run with it. <laughs> Speaking about this subconscious mind, mm-hmm. right? Why, why is it that athletes, because from hearing this story now, I can imagine an athlete who is listening to us and would assume that it is extremely easy. While tapping to the subconscious mind, unlimit your potential, why is it difficult for athletes to grasp this? 
And for the athlete who is struggling to, what are some of the things they can do to combat that? Great question. There, there's always a balance to life, right? There's the mm. ebb and the flow. You know, there's the contrast. Um, so there's the polarity. In order to know hot, we need to know cold, right? Yep. So with extreme performance, I would say any performance, but, you know, high-level elite performance, high demand, mm -hmm. you have to feel this pain. It's almost like, you know, self-tortured in a way, right? Mm. You have to put yourself out there. You have to care deeply, right? And you can't not care. It's just mm. that's not part of the equation. Well, what happens along the way is when we care and we don't go about it in a way where we manage our expectations and we focus on the things that we can actually control, we set high expectations and then we don't have a process to navigate negative feedback. And then mm. we take that negative feedback, you know, which is just feedback, it's just data, yeah. and we personalize it. We say, oh, I might not, I'm just not good at this, right? You know, and we're really tough. So what I'm trying to do with a lot of people, which is the simple version is helping people to get out of their own way. Right. Yep. Is that I'm trying to, first of all, establish the purpose of pain. The pain is actually mm. a guide. Right. I, I like to call it GPS. Right. Either good mm. pain system or guidance pain system. Right. Either yep. work. So you want to feel that pain because that pain is actually teaching you things, right? First, mm. you, you care about it, so you, you want to do well. So that's painful, right? Um, you get a result that's not so great, but it has pain. But then the pain is telling you kind of the area is probably a weakness, right? So if you lean yeah. into that weakness, you'll collect the most amount of information and you can improve the most. Mm. So there's a lot of things that have probably been passed down from, you know, our, our evolution, which yeah. is when we go into performance, like we feel this, this, uh, you know, the pressure in particular in everything in our, our body and, you know, in our mind, our nervous system says, run, mm -hmm. danger, get out. <laughs> Yet that's that's where you have to perform is under mm. extreme pressure. So what I try to do with people is change the relationship to pain and pressure. Mm. So, mm. you know, um, I, I, I do interviews like this as, you know, whenever I can. Um, yeah. And so I did this one for F1, Formula One driving. And I, you know... People listen to the story. They ask. They contact me afterwards about working with them. Had a business person contact me. And then off the same mm. interview, I had a Netflix film director contact me. And both mm. said, you know, from the business and the arts field, would you work with us the way you would work with an athlete or a coach? Mm. I said, sure. Yeah. It's performance is performance what I like to say. <laughs> yeah. And so the person that was in, that is um, in business, 
went from the bottom of sales, fastest growing tech company in Europe, went from the bottom of sales all the way to the top. He doubled second place in a matter of two and a half months. And a lot of that was processing the information. When I get up to call someone or I get to write someone, I'm getting feedback. It doesn't mean that it's good or bad because too many people that are in, let's say, sales, if they don't make the sale, then they go, oh, there's something wrong, right? Or maybe they even personalize it on a deep level. There's something wrong with me, right? Mm. I said, all Mm. it is is it's a rep, just like lifting a weight. So all we want to do is we want to treat it as a rep, and you're going to keep doing those reps. You're going to be committed to the rep because that's all you can control. Right? We can't control the result. Mm. We can't control whether that person is even going to answer the phone. Yeah. But we can control how many times we pick up the phone. That's what we're going to focus on. Mm. So dealing with the pain, right? Dealing with the failure, taking away the stigma of it. That was mm. that worked for business. It also worked for arts. But in arts, which was interesting, is interesting. He had contacted me before he started his project years ago. And mm. so we we met and talked about everything, and we and he went into this meeting with the executives at, at Netflix. And he comes out of the meeting, and he and I asked how to go, and he goes, oh, "It didn't go very well." I said, "Okay, all right, we'll process it. We'll go through it. I have something I'm going to work with you on today." So we went over pressure that day. And, you know, what's the necessity of pressure in our life? Anything that we want to do in life, right, that has an opportunity, has something at stake. You're going to go talk to that person over there. You're uncomfortable. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen. There's something at stake. And we really want that to go well, so it has higher pressure. So I showed him that we actually have to lean into pressure, Pressure is your friends. Pressure is where the opportunity is, right? Because everything in your body is saying, run, 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 run. Get away. That's the lion, yeah. right? Again, that evolutionary sort of survival. So, no, yeah. you have to be in that building. You don't want to be the one running out of that building because your opportunity is in that building. So, he's like, oh, I love it. So, he goes back in, has another meeting with the executives, and he comes out. <clears throat> with this big smile and he wonderful well what what was the difference and he said mm. well after we worked on pressure he said i realized i needed the pressure and then he said the next meeting i had i put more pressure on myself because mm. i just went in and told him exactly how i wanted to do it rather than trying to answer it the way i thought they wanted it to answer that's what he had done the first time playing it safe and mm. it took off and so Worked with him pre-production, production, as he's going out on these multi-million dollar sets, just like an athlete getting ready to go into a big competition. He's like, no, I need the pressure. Bring on the pressure. So he's leaning into something that most people are pushing back from or running away from. And so he's able to be aware and, and be able to help everyone on set and be you know, the best director he possibly can be under that pressure situation. Mm. We... We went through production and then we went through post-production and release. True story is movie came out a few months ago on Netflix and it was the number wow. two movie in the world. Wow. Yeah. 
and it was his relationship to pressure. So here you have a sales mm. example in his relationship to failure and pain. And also we work on pressure with him as well. And then, you know, the same in arts and it works across the boards. Mm. So there, there, there are three things that come from what you just mentioned, Seth. And I want to, I would do like a two in one combo. And then the last one will stand on itself. You know, so the first thing is rejection. Mm-hmm. The second one is the kind of conversations that athletes are having with themselves. And the final one is pressure, right? The reason I'm doing the two in one for the first two rejection and self-talk is that the undertaking that an athlete is going through, whether you succeed, whether you don't succeed, there's something you're telling yourself. I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. Mm-hmm. I'm crap at this. I just wasted my time. I just did this. So there's a conversation going on. Mm-hmm. In situations where the thing doesn't go well, so the race doesn't go well, the match doesn't go well, then you're then faced with that rejection, mm-hmm. which would then lead to whatever conversation you're having to, with yourself. You know, I fail, that means I'm not good. Just like you said, you know, talking about themselves. How is it that athletes can, one, better handle pressure, and for the athletes who talk to themselves negatively, because I assume that that is the... Um, default setting of the brain how Mm -hmm. can they change their self-talk great question great question so self-talk is is huge i mean i spend Mm. so much time it's kind of probably like a nutritionist talking about water Mm. it's everywhere and because it's everywhere and it's right there and it's accessible what do we do we reach for something that's salty or sugary and fancy and different colors Mm. the thing we need the most is the simplest right so the same thing goes with the mind right and so when we process what just happened out there and we're dealing with ourself right we are our own trusted expert whether we know it or not because we've Mm. been hearing this voice Right? You've been hearing your voice, whether you know it or not, since you can remember, whether yeah. it's out loud or mm-hmm. in your head. So when you say, let's say you're out on the pitch, right? Doesn't go well. One one shot, let's mm. just do one, you know, one kick. And you go, oh, I suck. Mm. You're the expert in your world. So yeah. imagine the influence that you have on everything inside you going, they don't know the difference right so in our world you're it and so Uh. we must suck that's how powerful it is right they've you know kind of quantified it and said that you know we're 10 times more powerful than our world's greatest other expert right yeah so you could bring in these great thinkers these great leaders these great everything the best in your sport they can say all these wonderful things about you, but at the end of the day, you always win the argument that's going on inside. Mm. Mm. And then when you hear it out mm. loud, it's got another factor of 10. So when you hear it out loud, it's even more impactful. So when I see like high yeah. level professionals go- throwing something or getting upset and cursing themselves out, oh, the level of destruction that you're that you're mm. doing right now i could just come out there with a hammer and start beating up your equipment because you're doing the same thing with your words yeah and as you said so insightfully is that we are wired for negativity 
you know, I mean, to me, it makes sense that our evolution is about getting better. So we're going to notice things are imperfections, right? So when you say something out loud, that's negative, right? When you add that negative versus positive, it's a factor of seven up to seven. Mm. So when you say something negative out loud, you put the two factors together, you're multiplying it by 70. It's so powerful mm. to say something negative. So we're going, we all are going to say something negative. So it's not about being perfect yeah. and always being positive, right? Mm. We're going to have moments. So I, you know, with my own self, I have children, right? You have a child. And so yeah. they're going to push your buttons at times. May lose our, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I have to practice what I preach. And so mm. I'll look at it and go, okay, I did just say that. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not saying <laughs> it, saying it somewhere. Right. <laughs> What helps is to to just have a level of awareness. So change happens through a big part of change happens through self-awareness, right? Awareness. You notice the negative, mm. but it's just like the you, you might have heard the metaphor of a cloud, right? So a cloud just is in the sky and it's going to just keep moving. No cloud is permanent. It just keep all of them move, yeah. Some move a little quicker than others, but they all move eventually, right? So the metaphor of that negative comment is a cloud. So we want to notice it because if you don't notice it, then you're in denial and you'll have another kind of back and forth mm. conversation with yourself. Because mm. there will be this, I call it the internal tennis match, right? Where yeah. You say, well, I remember Seth said that I shouldn't say something negative and oh, I just said something negative and look, yeah, I know you said so, something yeah. <laughs> Like you're hitting the ball back and forth across the net, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you just notice it and you go, oh, I said that, and you own it, not judging mm. it, just owning it, just noticing mm. it, Un, you know, non-judgmentally, it's noticing the cloud. Oh, that's interesting. I did say that. Mm. And see the ball drops. You didn't hit the ball over the net. Conversation, the argument's over. And you make this, mm. and it's and it's like almost instantaneously. I've seen people, very very like negative negative talkers. Because again, you go back to this contrast. Like these elite performers are usually very very critical, very very tough on themselves. So they have to. They have a high demand. So mm. how do we navigate that? Well, we use that that sort of talk, that constructive in you know instruction talk for training. Right. And mm. we we manage the negativity of it. You know, hopefully it's not too negative, you know, and destructive. And then when we get to the competition, you know, with the competition, then things have to be very, very simple. And it's positive self-talk as much as possible while you're doing something. So, mm. so it's mm, that, that's a good one. I think the, it's two worlds. Mm, like, you know, yeah. You know, to mm, put it out mm, there, mm. I always say, watch the true champions when they win, right? Mm. Like one that's really popular after the, the the documentary came out, the Netflix documentary on the Bulls is Michael Jordan. Yeah, Watch Michael when he wins. He's in the fetal position crying like a little baby on the floor, right? Mm. 
that will show you how much he put into that achievement. Yeah. The level of degree of, of pain that he went through to achieve that. You can't mm -hmm. have one without mm -hmm. the other because you don't have any yeah. appreciation for what you just achieved. So you're balancing these two opposites. <laughs> Mm, mm. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's it's perfect what you're saying because you know it's it's more or less like a balance or a middle ground between self awareness and mindfulness, right? Where yes, that thing has happened. You don't self destruct. You yeah. more or less just watch it pass, you know. And of course, you recenter yourself and you know whatever the positive talk you can change it to. You then do it, but at least you've acknowledged that this happened. So it's actually a perfect answer, and it's more like you said in the athletes acknowledging it and then practicing it because it's one thing to acknowledge that i said something negative today then i say it the next minute then i say it the next minute right so mm -hmm. it's actually that action you know in in terms of working actually on it the other thing that you mentioned said was pressure right mm -hmm. where does pressure come from there's an athlete who stumbles on this conversation and you know you're talking about pressure and things it's not something they've necessarily paid attention to yeah. where does pressure come from how do they handle pressure well, I like to use metaphors because our minds are, you know, whether it was through evolution, we were standing mm -hmm. around a fire telling what just happened during the day, right? So that we can learn as, as a tribe, as a group, you know, so I try to use metaphors and stories because our minds are wired for those. So the metaphor I like to use is surfing a wave, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the reasons is because the people that get into the flow state, that get into the you know, the, the moment, the zone, whatever the generation of that time is calling it, right? Mm. That's your optimal performance. When you kind of lose yourself yeah. in the moment. So every sport kind of has a different way of, I went unconscious, you know, I blacked out. All these things are mm. their best when it's just like time stands still, you know, those moments. We've yeah. all had those kind of t moments from time to time. An athlete's trying to get there, a performer is trying to get there more often and for longer periods. So how do you get there? Well, you got to get in, you know, the, the, the people that get there, probably the most consistent, it sounds like. I have not done it, mm. but I've heard about it, are the big wave surfers, right? Now, there's a reason to that. It makes per perfect sense to me, is that there's a few elements. So they're really good at yeah. surfing. That's important, right? They also, every wave is unpredictable. So mm. if you can predict the future, it's not going to really grab you. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be that exciting, right? And then third element is pressure. Now, mm. it's really practical with a big wave surfer because they could actually die if they crash, right? Yeah. And if I'm working with another athlete, like let's say a football player, you know, on the pitch, it's like, well, how do, I'm, I know my life's not at risk like that big wave surfer, right? No, but you can care about your performance with the same level mm. that that surfer has of I might die, right? Mm. So you mm. create the feeling through yeah. the, your depth of caring. And that's why you go back to Michael Jordan crying like he's doing. He cares more than anything about what he's doing. Mm. So he's surfing that wave every single day, right? Because he just cares on a degree that a lot of people can't relate to. Mm. But elite performers can. Well, you know, 
doesn't matter what walk of life it is, a business CEO or, you know, entrepreneur, um, you know, directors, producers, artists, sculptors, they can know exactly where that feeling comes from, that level of sincerity that that mm. comes from. But that's yeah. where pressure comes from, is you ju- you're just caring, you know, deeply, mm. as if your life depends on mm. it. On it. Mm. Mm, uh, that's a that's a good illustration, and I think it's one that certainly I, I haven't heard before. Because usually, when you ask people about pressure, they're usually talking about expectations that others put on you. You know, but that's a mm. nice metaphor to use in terms of you know breaking it down from that perspective. That hey, you can care about it so much that it becomes a pressure. That it becomes pressure. How do athletes prevent that from backfiring? Because you know, yes, it's one thing to cook the meal right mm-hmm. it's another thing to know when the meal has cooled down that you can get it off your gas cooker or whatever it is you're using to cook it that it doesn't burn your hand so for the athlete who is saying okay i've heard set now talk about who oh, you should care about it so deeply they then go about caring so deeply that they are not now able to handle it so mm-hmm. how do athletes you know find that balance so that it doesn't kind of backfire yes great okay so you go back to the wave Okay, the surfer knows how to mm. surf the wave. Otherwise, they shouldn't be out there. So that's the level of control. Yeah. We have to be able to ha- handle the task that's asked, right, ultimately. Mm. When we get a lot of expectations, mm. we start overwhelming ourselves. That's a different kind of pressure. Mm. Positive pressure is I have to pay attention because my life's on the line. Overwhelm is I have to be perfect, no. Uh, yeah, that's mm. that's where you're headed into over. That's where you're losing control because no one. Ultimately, we know deep in our heart and our soul that we don't have control over the outcome. So we're mm. kind of almost lying to ourselves that we need to be. Well, we can't be mm. perfect. Your yeah. best game of your life is going to have imperfections, right? Mm-hmm. But our expectations will come with those demands. It has to be perfect. Yeah. And when you get overwhelmed, you'll never get into the flow state in overwhelm. You start mm. to shut down. Now you really start to go into survival mode. Now, And I hear people describe it. I listen for it. I'm starting to feel numb. I'm starting to lose mm. my focus. Those are kind of the, the areas where you start to go, okay, we're mm. no longer surfing this wave. This wave is, is basically going to, you know, pummel us if, if we don't start to feel like, we can actually surf it. And then how do we get mm. back? We can actually surf it. We start letting go of the outcome, dissolving all of the expectations, right? And we can get back into that wave. But again, these mm. are all balances mm. because that's like saying, yeah. okay, well, all I want to do is surf the wave. If I just surf waves, then that's... But also goes back to this is not an expectation. This is a vision or a dream mm. for your goals. Because I believe that goals are, are important because they motivate you. Yep. They help you to, to make sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. So again, that wave has to be big enough to capture your attention. And so you're yeah. usually going to want to surf a bigger and bigger wave, generally speaking. And that's where your goals come in. But expectations is, mm. oh, I need my goals to happen. And that's trying yeah. to pull something that's uncontrollable. Mm. You almost kind of deserve mm. to have 
a life lesson of the wave crashing over the top of you. Because you try mm. to control nature, and mm. nature is not about being controlled. We know that. You see that in mm. childbirth. Mm. You know, the That's baby's going to come when the baby's yeah. come. You can't control it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a good, that's a good explanation because, you know, I'm putting myself in the shoes of an athlete who is listening, you know, and it actually makes a lot of sense because, yes, I'm telling you to care so much about what you're doing, your endeavor, your sport that you're playing. But at the same time, I'm not saying that you should then have this lofty expectation. So more or less like comparing your care for the sports with the expectations you require for the sports. And I think that's where a lot of athletes make mistakes, where they say, because I care about this so much, then I should come first. Because mm. I care about this so much, I should be a world record holder. Because I care, no. So more or less associating those, and of course it then tilts the wave the other side, where it's now unhealthy pressure and the expectations. So wow, that's, that's a very, very nice way to break it down. And where that leads to, which is what you rounded up with, Seth, you know, as it relates to that expectation and you not being able to control a lot of those things, you have a perfect example. And of course, I think this is where we we'll dovetail into that athlete's part in terms of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It was your dream to go to the Olympics. You know, I was curious while I was researching you, you know, and, and, and searching and going into detail about your past. You know, I was looking for that silver lining that, you know, Seth went to the Olympics. He was able to achieve this. He was able to do this. But that didn't come. So tying into you wrapping that, your last message up in terms of that expectation, talk to me about that experience. What was that like? How were you able to handle it? Because it's something you had wanted for so long. So quote unquote, you cared about achieving it so much. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as life will have it, you know, everything serves a purpose, right? So mm. I believe in the, you're the stoic, you know, your obstacle mm. is your way. Um, yeah. You know, along the way, what looked like a detriment starting so late was actually a strength because all I did was mm. fail from the first day and, and not re- relate mm. to it. Because if I started taking that personal, then I would have quit early, right? So I just yeah. processed the information. So that actually is a huge advantage for what I do today. And then also a huge advantage by not getting the ultimate goal because I literally did everything else but go to the Olympics. Every mm. national champion, Pan Pacific gold medalist. These are the other international meets that are in between the Olympics every four years. Yeah. World University Games, gold medalist. Right? Did all these other things except for go to, as you said. And part of the story that I should include because we talked about the – vision board and Pablo Morales. Mm -hmm. When I won the national championship, the person that was at the award ceremony that handed me the trophy was Pablo Morales. It was Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) Now Pablo came off my wall twice. That was the first time, Mm. which was the good one, the the feel good one. And then he came came out of retirement and he did what knocked out of the Olympics. And all of a sudden, I'm racing against my idol for mm. the spot on the Olympic team. And he took the spot that I would have taken on the Olympic team. And I was an alternate for the Olympics. And I missed it by two tenths, which is a couple of inches, I've been told. And so mm. he went on and won the gold medal. 
He was the story of wow. the at Olympics. Um, and then four years later, got even closer, right? I was in just a, I was fourth in the world at the time with the time that I went, mm. but I was the fourth fastest American. So if I would have swam for any other country, I not only would have gone to the Olympics, but I would have been a medal hopeful, right? At the Olympics. And I missed mm. it by hundreds of a second, mm. like a fraction where you can't even physically see the difference between there's a guy walking on the planet that's an Olympian, and I'm not, and I don't get that mm. title, and he does. Mm. But we're, there's you wouldn't have even the physical eye, you, you couldn't even see the difference between our performance. Now, that all being said, I was just sharing this with someone I worked with earlier that there's a, you know, we have the American football, we have Seattle Seahawks, they won the Super Bowl. Pete Carroll is yeah. their coach. He was a really good football player. He was about to go into the NFL, the professional, the highest level of football for American football. And they had a strike that year. And wow. so he wasn't able, that was his moment to get in. And so he actually coaches from this perspective that when he's in the locker room, getting ready for the playoffs, getting ready for the big Super Bowl, he said, I would have given anything to be here where you guys are at now. Mm. That's what mm. I do. I tell people I'm in the flow state because I know what it's like to be in that wave. And I'm in that wave. Yeah. I'm in my version of wave. Yeah. So when I'm coaching, I'm never comfortable ever. Right. I'm always mm. in this you know, flow state of like, I know what I want to work on. I know it would be helpful, but I got to meet you where you're at. So I don't know exactly what that is. And it's going to happen organically between the two of us surfing this wave at the same time. So I wouldn't have been able to appreciate that. I don't think if I would have gotten everything, I wouldn't have been as hungry. I wouldn't have felt the pain on the level that I did the, of the disappointment where you trained your mm. entire career, but really you got four years in between for a race. that's about a little over 20 seconds long, right? Everything yeah. comes down to this yeah. very sh short moment in time. And if you're out, you're out. If you're in, you're mm. in. And I was just slightly out. And so I can coach from that perspective as well to be able to say, you know what? It's worth the risk. It's worth it. Because mm. I changed. It's my character. It's who I am. Right. You don't get the golden ring, but, mm. you know, you could have gotten the golden ring. You know, there's something to it that's there's, you know, a humility to it that you learn. And that's what I've helped people, these top professionals, whether it's athletes, yeah. coaches, business or in arts. And when they win, because they win their version of winning. And I say, mm. what does it feel like? I'll always ask them right, right there. Right. That, now, it's always the same answer, the variation of the yeah. same answer, which is, I want to go do it again. See? Yeah. It's not fulfilling. Winning is not fulfilling. It's worth it because it gives yeah. us, you yeah. know, a, a, a kind of like a, it gives us a trajectory. It gives us a timeline so that we can measure things yeah. and we can go towards something, right? And make all these sacrifices. But the journey along the way which we all experience not just the winner right yeah we all experience yeah. depending on how sincere we are with our efforts that's mm. the reward so that's when i bring them back into the moment of now 
this is it. We're feeling our bliss right now, surfing the wave that we're at right now. And the winds will come, but we're not going to focus on winning. We're going to focus on the process. Mm. That way, when you do mm. win, you are doing a lifestyle of winning, so it'll happen over and over. It won't just happen as one achievement. Mm. 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 Uh, that's a good one. And, you know, it kind of relates to, to my story as well, which was one of the things that I also saw which was a connecting point. So I wanted to be a professional soccer player. So you guys call it soccer. We call it football, mm-hmm. you know, and the agreement I had with my parents was, hey, go to school. When you're done with school, you can do anything it is that you want to do, you know, and I went and picked the hardest course I could pick, which was law. So mm-hmm. I read law and just before I was about to graduate, right, I tore my ACL in my knee, mm-hmm. you know, and I told myself, I was like, at I couldn't have turned my ACL at any other point, right? Why mm-hmm. did it have to be just when I was graduating, when I was going to get the opportunity to then pursue this? And of course, at the time in, in Nigeria, we didn't have ACL reconstruction uh, surgery doctors, so doctors who could perform that surgery at the time, because at that point, you still had to open the entire knee. You know, they hadn't started this anthroscopic thing. So I had to wait months to travel abroad, get surgery. You know, it, it, it modeled up the whole process. And I've got in that question as well, Seth, that, you know, you, you worked your entire life for this. This was something you wanted since you were five uh, and all of that. How do you feel not achieving it? You know, and the answer you gave is something that I mentioned as well. I did everything in my path, right? The parts that were outside my control, which I couldn't control, I don't force over it. I don't mm-hmm. sit down and cry and say, oh, this didn't go my way and all of that. It would have been different if I tried to cheat the grind. But I didn't. I mm-hmm. gave it everything. I was unlucky that I got injured at the time that I did. I was also unlucky that there were no doctors that could fix my knee right away. Mm-hmm. All of those were outside my control. So it, 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 it kind of connects to what you're saying. And of course, the athletes who are listening as well, they need to fully understand that. Am I correct? A hundred percent. hundred percent. You know, we probably wouldn't be talking if everything, you know, professional, all that. I mean, everything serves a purpose. I always like to say that everything serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just takes some distance from it. You'll look in the rearview mirror and go, well, if this wouldn't have happened, then this wouldn't have happened. And I like the way this is yeah. now, right? So it's important mm-hmm. just to, to have some level of acceptance because, you know, go back, and, go back to winning isn't fulfilling, right? Um, so it shows that it, even if you won 10 times, even if you went to the professional, like let's say you went to the Premier League, right? and you were on yeah. the ultimate team and you won the ultimate prize with the ultimate trophy, but you didn't enjoy it. It wasn't, you know, your calling, you know, yeah. and, and you were kind of forced to do it because you'd always been a football player, right? Mm. Your identity was completely wrapped up in being a football player rather than mm. a human being, right? There's plenty of people that mm. achieve the ultimate but then when they're done, they have no idea who they are as a person. Yeah. So what looked like maybe a curse at the moment, it was actually a blessing because it forced you mm. to go right away and figure out who am I beyond this, right? I'm mm. not just a football player. I'm more than that, right? Mm. I'm a human being and human mm. beings fail. We need to fail, right? When we're learning mm. how to walk, we... Average toddler falls 69 times every single day. Yeah. We, yeah. we need to fail. So you, you get more in touch with who you are as a human being going through that experience. 
And what's interesting is we do want to care, right, to, to mm-hmm. surf that wave and have that pressure. But at the same time, if our identity is completely wrapped up in that activity, right, I, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I would say to a football player, right, you have to choose to play football. You're not a football yeah. player, right? What is that? Is that, you know, your identity is completely just what happens when the game ends, right? Mm-hmm. Then you cease to exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once you have this, because a lot of times when I start with people from the highest level all the way through, a lot of it starts with, okay, I, I, something goes wrong and then it just starts to spiral. And then I get into mm. internal conversation of, oh, here we go again or something like that, right? Mm. Immediately, what, what's wrong? There's no balance. Well, they've over-identified with their identity of the doing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's no longer a choice. It's, it's a necessity. I will mm. not exist if this doesn't, if it's not perfect and it doesn't work out the way I'm, mm. you know, needing it to work out. And then that's when things mm. spiral because you have no counterbalance. So what's interesting mm. is more people mm. know who they are outside of the pitch, outside of the, 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 the sport, they get this counterbalance. And you see people, mm. like maybe a professional athlete goes and has a child and all of a sudden it puts it into perspective like, oh, it's not all about the sport, yeah. right? I have a life outside yeah. of the sport. And then their performance goes up, which is interesting. Mm. Once you have that counterbalance mm. and your consistency goes up, you keep it in perspective. So as I like to say, we want to play as though our life depends on it, knowing mm. that our life does not depend on it. Depend on it, yeah. Because then we yeah. have that healthy yeah. amount of detachment, and it'd be like you and I playing chess or you know, play, mm-hmm. playing a, a, you know, a game. Play it to your best ability. Yeah. If your life depended on it, that'll be fun. And I want to know, you to know that you're putting it all and I'm putting my all into it. But then when the game's over, it's a game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's a good illustration, you know. And I, I don't want to digress. You know, I wanted to continue on this line that we are. But I remember from your conversation um, with John, so on the Way of Champions podcast, you guys spent some time talking about um, the, the parenting angle of things, the sports parents angle of things, you know. And, and that's one thing that I also, you know, on this side, try to help parents with. And one of those key parts, which is what you mentioned, which is why I'm digressing, is that identity. You know, you, you find parents who their children don't want to play sports because the parent has made sports a part of that child's identity to the point that, like you mentioned, with the athlete who then gives birth and realizes, hey, there's more to life. That child eventually gets to a breaking point. He meets friends, meets other people, um, watches a movie, comes in contact with something that makes him realize that, hey, I mean, what are we doing, right? Life is not just about sports. How, as a parent... Can you prevent or can you guard against making sports the identity of your child? So let's assume they don't know what to do. And I'm sure many parents don't know what to do. How can they guard against that? Well, you know, it, everyone has a different journey. So I've, I have two children. Yep. So I know firsthand that they come out wired with, 
mine are opposites. <laughs> so mm. the child has something. <laughs> they come with their own journey, right? And their own wiring. Yeah. And I think it's really important. And I, and I try to be delicate with this and understanding because I think it's easy yeah. to demonize the parents and say, yeah, you've never mm-hmm. done that, right? You were living vicariously through your children and you should have never put mm. pressure. I don't think a lot of parents have a lot of information, you know, particularly True. in this fast growing youth culture of, of athletics. So how if they had the information, I wonder if they'd make the same choices, right? Because mm. mm. a lot of the mm. athletes that do end up having kids, right? You know, for me, mm. I'll admit, I, we, we're around the swimming pool. The, the last thing I did, and it drove my wife crazy, was I didn't want to teach them how to swim, Right mm. <laughs> now, now I, you know, I'm going to be safe. I'm always going to be watching. But it was getting to the point where they were way overconfident. They they shouldn't have been around the water. Yeah. But they, luckily, they they discovered the water on their own terms. That was my whole mm. intention. Was I want them to have their own relationship with this sport? With you know, yeah. whether kicking a ball. I want it to be their idea, right? Mm. Because if you go back to Michael Jordan or you go back to the goats. The level of sacrifice that you have to go through is literally self-torture. You can't yep, get that yep. from another person. There is no, yep. no amount of pressure you can put on a child to get that level of sacrifice. You have to be just born that way. Mm, you can be pretty mm. good, but if you want to be you know, really good. I mean, for me, my whole, you know, I told you earlier, my parents were artists. And so where did I come from? Why did I even yeah. think about sports? They had no, they didn't know anything about it. So my dad, true story, you know, I went to him and I said, okay, I got this idea. I want to go to the Olympics. I want to be, a, I'm going to go to swimming. And he says, oh, that's okay. That's, that sounds fine. But you got to pay for it and you got to get yourself there. Mm. Right. Because mm. he saw it as a hobby. He didn't know any different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what, what I went into was like, okay, well, that's fine. I, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And so I got myself, I rode my bike 10 miles. You know, I, I don't know the kilometer international version. Maybe that's right around five, I'm guessing. Mm. 10 miles, right? Or no, you would be double, but a long ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to get there. Mm. And, you know, that ended up being something that, again, was the obstacle, which was just getting to work out was a long journey. And then when I got there, I didn't waste those workouts because I had to sacrifice so much just to get there. And then I had to Mm. pay for it, right? And then when I got Mm -hmm. to university, we do in in, uh, swimming, we do, you know, these kicking sets, you know, where you just use this float, you know, the flotation, the the kickboard, you just use your legs. Well, no one could kick as long or as fast or as hard as I could. And I know it's because of those years of riding my bike to work out, right? Mm. My legs were stronger than anyone else's. Yeah. And I had to, you know, I mean, I had to own the sport for myself. Right? Mm. I know that's not convenient for parents because parents are like, okay, well, how do I know? How do I know? I, you know, yes, I was very unique. But I would say mm. give children choices, 
I would say multiple sports yeah. is very, very important. You know, we, we have a few athletes like, you know, Wayne Gretzky played every single sport, right, growing up. He's the yeah. goat of yeah. hockey. Right? American football, we, we have Patrick Mahomes doing things that people have never seen before. Why? Because he scrambles? Because, because he didn't just play American football. He American played football, all these yeah. other sports, right? <laughs> Mm. finds a way to get the result that he's looking for. So, you mm. know, and it gives him changes and also there's less stress on the body. You know, we see these overuse injuries yeah. from younger and younger people. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way that, you know, that someone ultimately is going to make those sacrifices is if it's their idea. Yeah. It has to be their, their mm. idea. Uh, that- yeah, and I think that that illustrates it perfectly. And I like actually, you know, the point that you make in the sense that you believe that if parents um, knew better, they'll probably do better. Because I don't think that anybody would deliberately, you know, want to want to sabotage their children, you know, and make sports their entire identity where it then goes on to to affect them later. But this has been a fabulous conversation, Seth. I I was going to go a little bit more into, you know, that athlete perspective. But the final two questions I want to ask you, you know, might also take us some time. So I think I'll just head straight to it. You know, now the reason I named the podcast Athlete Man Show was because I wanted to help athletes master their craft. Like you talked about with the parents, the athletes, at least on this side, didn't really have the information they needed. You know, like you said, you, you stumbled on books that your dad had and you knew about the mental game. You know, so that's why I started the podcast, to create that educational content, helps athletes master their crafts of being athletes, the mental aspect, the physical aspect, the business aspects of sports. What, in your estimation, does it mean to be a master of your craft? Mm, yes, good questions. <laughs> I I go back to a very simple idea that I you know it's a principle that I try and not only coach for coach by but also live by, mm. which is your thoughts become your words become your actions, right? Mm. So if you notice when I told my story, I told parts of the story that were important for you yep. to know ultimately, which is I saw clearly in my mind what I wanted to do. I want to go to the Olympics. Mm. I spoke clearly once I got clear on it between mm. my ears, right? And then I could go speak that truth to, to strangers, coaches. Mm. And even though he laughed, he was okay with it because I was clear. So what I try to do with people is to get them to understand that these are life skills. This isn't just about performance in one area of your life. This is everything. This is a human experience. What's your relationship to, to, to pain? What's your relationship to pressure, you know, failure, your thoughts become your words, become your actions so that you can actually, you know, cause I'll work with an athlete younger and then we'll work on them going to the university maybe. And then them going into the pros, maybe mm. in every step of the way, there's always going to be transition points where you have to go speak your truth to the next team, yeah. to the next level. And so that I think is very, very important for people to understand, mm. you know, do you know who you are? Like that's, that's really an important, valuable thing for you to understand that there, there is only one you mm. in the world. And that is like your superpower, your authenticity. Yeah. 
when you go and talk to someone, you have to know that that you're special, yeah. that there's something different about yeah. you. And then when you talk to someone, you have to know there's something special and different about them. Yeah. And most likely they want to talk from their needs. So you accept that. I'm going to get to understand the uniqueness of this person and their needs. And then I'm going to show them mm. with my thoughts and my words that we need to come together because we can do what they want to do as one. Mm. So life skill, yeah. your thoughts become your words, become your actions. And it changes how that player is, is doing, you know. And then it changes their relationship to authority, mm. perceived authority, right? Mm. And then their, their life becomes their own. Because you can go after you're done with, yeah. you know, the pitch or, you know, any, any sport. And you can take that straight into the business world. And you can go into, you know, how many people are you reaching out yeah. to today to meet or to sell to? Is it scary? Good. Good. Because you need to feel that pressure, mm. right? You need to get into the flow state. You need to get into the zone and not mm. internalize the results. They're just feedback. Mm. And then the sky's the limit. I mean, can you imagine? You just keep showing up every day, just processing the information. That's mm. why I say people call me a swimmer, but I feel like it's that was just a focus. Yeah, yeah. You could turn that towards... You know, football, you could turn it towards baseball, you yeah. could turn it towards business, you could turn it towards art. Just how you navigating the world is really mm. what we're working on. That's mm, mm, mm. that's a that's a that's a um what would I call it now? That's a professor's answer. Um, so to speak, in terms of <laughs> what, what it means to be a master of your craft, because you're going to have to listen to it again, you know, and, you know, literally put it together that, oh, this is what said means. And of course, that's what happens when you're an expert and when you're so good, you know, at what you do. You know, ordinary people would have said master of your craft means you're good at what you do. <laughs> I will come, <laughs> we'll probably have just I probably have just gone home. Right. You know, but great answer said final question. We've spoken for over an hour, right? And we've talked about so many things. I'm so happy that we were able to cover a lot, even though we didn't cover everything that we're supposed to cover, right? And of all the things that we talked about, there's an athlete who has listened to the entire conversation and they're confused, right? I need one thing that I can start to get a step closer to my goals, right? It doesn't have to get me to the goal. I'm not saying I have to be an Olympic champion next week. I have to be a world champion. No, no, no. But of all the things you have talked about, What's one thing you recommend that I start today that just gets me that step closer? It doesn't have to get me there, just a step closer. What would you say that one thing is, Seth? Focusing on what you have control over. Hmm. I think it's the one thing. Hmm. So too many, what you too many people get caught up in. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of hmm. the problems in people's lives is they're worried about someone else, hmm. right? They're listening to stories. Right? And stories is not strategy. Mm. Strategy is where we need to focus. Strategy is what you can actually control. Mm. Story mm. is like what you see on social media, right? Noise, mm. comparisons. Mm. That stuff has very little to do with your performance. Mm. Mm. Focus on what you can control. Focus on your strategy. That will get you more and more curious You'll be a student of what you're doing. You'll be a student of life. And mm. that will be the reward in itself. 
and the results will take care of themselves. Confidence will take care of itself. That's like a byproduct down the road. Today, focus on what do you have control over mm. without making comparisons to other people. Mm. Control what you can control. One thing you can do to get a step closer to your goals. Thank you so much, Seth, for joining me. Like I said at the start, you know, you, you're, you're right at that epicenter. And, you know, it's a testament to the great work that you do. You know, all the things you achieve as an athlete all the things you're achieving as a coach as well. And, of course, your willingness to share that knowledge, to share that education, coming on a podcast like this, just sharing your thoughts. Generally, you didn't know me from anywhere. I reached out to you, and, of course, you are here. So I really do appreciate your time, and I thank you for coming on. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Now, please tell us how we can find you, how we can follow you, the great work that you do, where we can connect with you. Um, I think you're on Instagram. I'm not sure, but tell us how we can find you. Uh, the most, probably the easiest is just my full name.com. So Seth Pepper at, you know, dot, dot com. And then it's the same for all the different social media. So yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, all of them. Yeah. No, fantastic. We'll put that in the show notes, you know, and of course, um, you guys can connect with Seth and of course, ask him questions, anything uh, you need uh, more explanation on. I'm sure when his time permits, uh, he'll definitely respond to you and give you answers that you need. Thank you so much, Seth, once again. Thank you. It was an honor being here. I really appreciate it. So just like I've said, like, like hundreds of times, because this is episode 926, like when I tell you that an episode was good, right? Just believe me and listen to the episode for all of you who listened right through and you've gotten to the end or you've gotten to this point. Of course, you can see what I was saying. Look at Seth's story, right? This is a guy who started out as an athlete, not at four years old, not at five years old, right? He started out as an athlete as a fully grown teenager. And of course, you hear his brother's story as well, who even started later than he started. But he went on to achieve all the things that he achieved in the world of sport. Absolutely remarkable. And he didn't stop there, right? He then began to help athletes on the same path, on the same quest as well. Absolutely remarkable. And of course, I want you guys to head over to YouTube, the Athlete Marshall page, so that you can watch a video of the interview. Absolutely remarkable. I super enjoyed my time recording it, and I'm sure that you enjoyed listening to it as well. You can reach Seth on his website setpepper.com so s-e-t-h-p-e-double-p-e-r.com of course you're going to find all of this in the show notes athletemaestral.com forward slash set athletemaestral.com forward slash set so i put his website there i put his social media handles you have any questions you want to reach out to him quickly of course you can do that and when he finds the time he would respond to you of course you ask me the questions then of course i shoot it to him and i'm sure he would respond as well so you've heard guys from the athlete from the coach from the professor all of those angles trust me you have everything that you need to at least begin to pursue your goals in sports the right way at least to begin to pursue your goals in sports the right way so that you don't miss episodes like this guys that's why you have to subscribe to the podcast you can also recommend the podcast guys to your friends so that they also have something they are listening to athletemyshow.com forward slash subscribe. So that's where you learn how to subscribe. That's also where you learn how to leave a rating and review. Athletemyshow.com forward slash subscribe. Don't forget, of course, to share the episode with any athlete, anyone you think would benefit from the lessons, of course, we're sharing 
in helping you master your crafts in sports. Atleetmyshow.com forward slash subscribe. If you have any questions whatsoever, send me a mail, tolap at atleetmyshow.com. Tolap at atleetmyshow.com. If you want me to answer those questions on the show, send them to Friday at atleetmyshow.com. Friday at atleetmyshow.com. Of course, do not forget to get your hands on that free email course how to build your mental toughness as an athlete. Athletemyshow.com forward slash mental toughness. Athletemyshow.com forward slash mental toughness. I'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show. Remember, knowing is not enough, you must apply. Willing is not enough, you must do. I want you to go out there, learn all the lessons you can from Seth Pepper. I want you to go out there and I want you to be a maestro today and every single day. Here's a clip from my episode with Dr. Greg Young. Dr. Greg is a manager at IMG Plus, one of the biggest sports academies in the world. Right. So the real task that an athlete has to has to um, sort of overcome when it comes to their attention is figuring out what's noise and what's signal. Right. So signal is the stuff that's important, the stuff that's useful for what we're trying to do, and noise is all of the other clutter that goes on there. Right. If we're talking about this in terms of um, in terms of um, like telephone, right? You, re- you want a really clear line. You don't want any static. You don't want any, you know, cross lines or anything like that. So it, um, it, it, it makes sense for an athlete to, to really want to try and figure out, well, what is useful to me in the moment? And the, the way that I do this with my athletes is I try and get them to, to you know, have a, have a real sense of awareness about, okay, when I perform at my best, what am I paying attention to, right? And that sounds like an unbelievably simple question but it's one that I wish more athletes would pay attention to. And that's the, um, that's, the, that's the understanding of, there is tons and tons of stuff going on in my environment. At the end of the day, I have to figure out what's best for me. For more, including how to build your confidence as an athlete, how to improve your mental toughness, how to develop your mental game in general, check out episode 908 of Athlete Maestro with Dr. Greg Young.